This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Welcome to Woodland Hills Family Church. We're glad that you're here. All of those outside in the courtyard, over at the gathering place, in our church at home family, uh, welcome. Thank you for being a part of today's service. And as we just saw in that video, the opportunity to give above and beyond our tithes and offerings uh, this season. We're grateful for your generosity all throughout the year, and we have so many more opportunities this time of year. So there's several ways that you can give. You can give in boxes in the back. You can go to the Church Center app. Hit the Give Online Now button at woodhills.org, or you can text the amount to 84321. And uh, we have new givers coming alongside and partnering with us uh, every single week, and so we're grateful uh, for that. Uh, I want to just let you know what's going on this Christmas. Last year, we did an online Christmas celebration. Uh, It was our largest gathering as a church, the most views we've had really on anything we've done as a church. Remember, we ran it for 48 hours, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Well, the team is working very hard this year on another online gathering, and so Our last Sunday gathering on campus for this year is December 19th. We will not be gathering on campus on the 26th, but for 72 hours, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the day after Christmas on Sunday, we want you to not rush back from Kansas, Oklahoma City, Texas, wherever you are spending Christmas and gather your family and friends uh, around in the family room, around a device in the kitchen uh, and have Christmas with us. The team's putting a lot of work in. And one of the reasons I'm excited about the plans this year, uh, every Sunday at Woodland Hills, all three services, uh, to make three services run on Sunday morning, it takes about 380 staff and volunteers And that's from children's ministry to worship to the tech team to the parking to hospitality to greeters, everything going on. And uh, we are grateful because about half of them will start calling in December saying, won't be able to be there on the 26th. And... uh, And so we have just decided what a gift to be able to put all of our energy this month and next into a great um, online gathering so that every one of our staff and volunteers can uh, take off uh, on the 26th. So would you help me thank them for how hard they work and grateful for that. So plan on that 72 hours. At any time during that 72 hours, it'll be streaming. But I want to tell you about the 19th and something that we have planned. Uh, I'm a big fan of those. Uh, we just had the Country Music Awards this week, and I love award shows. Uh, one of my favorite parts of an award show is when they do In Memory Of. And we're just reminded of these that provide us with such great music uh, over the years who lost their lives. And we just decided this year, we know there's going to be an empty chair at many Thanksgiving tables and uh, around the tree uh, this holiday and Christmas season. And so uh, we want to have a special time on the 19th remembering uh, your loved ones uh, in the service. And we have something very special planned, but we need your help in preparing for that. So there's an email we've set up called remember at woodhills.org. And we would love for you to send a picture uh, in the name of your loved one uh, that... uh, you lost over the last year or two, and uh, we want to incorporate them into our uh, Christmas service on December 19th. So thank you uh, for participating in that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. If you're new to our church, we're going through the series called Greater Joy. 
verse by verse through Philippians. Didn't Scott McElvain do a phenomenal job last week with the humility of Christ? Grateful for him kicking off chapter 2. Today, when you see the title without grumbling or arguing, you're thinking, this is a parenting talk, isn't it? Oh, I hope this is a parenting talk. Uh, We all know what grumbling is. Grumbling is complaining under your breath. And we're all, I love the word grumbling because it sounds like what it is. It's just that, and if you're a grumbler from time to time, would you raise your hand? Let's just be real on it. <laughs> Buckets of sunshine all throughout here and across campus. I, how many of you have been grumbling this week? I grumble every week or two after the time change. If you've been grumbling about how dark it gets, raise your hand. I come in, I stumble into the house at night and I'm ready for bed. And Amy's like, what time is it? It's 6.15. But let's go. I mean, I mean, I don't know why. It's like we're bears preparing for hibernation. So Amy sent me this picture from, I think it's a barbecue joint down in Texas. I dare you to go one day without mentioning how early it gets dark. And so I've been singing to her that great Frank Sinatra tune this week. And it goes like this. When the moon hits your eye like it's 445, that's November. So, anyway, today in Philippians, picking up in verse 12, we're going to see two aspects of joy and understand the working out of joy in our lives. It's the inner work of God fulfilling his purposes in us and through us. It's the inner work and then it's the outer work of how we get along and it's our testimony to a lost and dying world. When we are expressions of joy everywhere we go. And if you're a parent and you can amen this, please do with a loud and authoritative voice. Parents experience great joy when their children get along. Hey, man, is there any greater joy? And when they get along and you're not in the room, is there any greater joy than that? When they seek reconciliation without your participation, is there any greater joy than that? Johnny W., a comedian, was here in February, and he, I love his line. He had an older brother, and they did not get along, never got along. He said, one Christmas, I asked my mom, what can we get you for Christmas? And my mom said, all I want is for you two to get along. And he said, that ain't going to happen. You want a sweater? I'll get you a sweater. Parents want their kids to get along. So we're going to jump into chapter 2, verse 12. Very important. As we look at the inner work and the joy that's growing in us when we live out God's purpose in our life. And we're going to see what happens when God's purpose for your life isn't your plan or purpose for your life. How, How do you deal with that when life didn't go according to your plan and purpose, but God's working in you? And in his purpose, we read this in chapter two, verse 12. Therefore, this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, dear friends, we love this four chapter letter in Philippians because it's just this letter. He's not dealing with a heavy theological, uh, you know, struggle in the church or a conflict in the church. He is writing to them as dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, expressing this joy as you have always obeyed. I just listened to this as a parent, not only in my presence when I'm there, but how much more in my absence now that I'm away from you. Continue to work out your salvation. I want to be very clear what he's saying here. He is not saying continue to work for your salvation. He's not saying that. 
He's saying, work out your salvation. Your salvation, when you were justified, that's when you were declared righteous. What he's speaking of here is sanctification. Allowing God to continue to work in you. But he's not saying continue to work for heaven. Continue to work for uh, your relationship with, with God. He's not saying work for. He's saying work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's go back to the first chapter of Philippians so we see exactly what he's talking about in verse 12. In chapter 1, verse 1, he refers to them as God's holy people in Christ Jesus. They're believers. They're already believers. Philippians 1, go down a few verses to verse 6. He who began a good work in you. So this work has already begun in them and he's saying, we want to continue to rejoice and find joy in you as you find joy in your heavenly father and in your relationship with Jesus. You're believers, but now we're just going to work this out and keep growing in it. And remember, for those who think, no, salvation is something that comes to me by working for it. No, Romans 6.23 refers to salvation as a free gift of God. It's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't work for your salvation. Ephesians 2.8, Paul tells the church at Ephesus, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. Church attendance, good deeds, starting good habits, giving up bad habits. That's not what brings you salvation. Jesus alone, faith alone and Christ alone brings you salvation. It is the free gift of God. So he begins this by saying, okay, we just talked about the humility of Christ, and now we want to work it out in our lives. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you. So here's that inner work to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Now, Paul is writing that Paul went to Rome. He wanted to preach. He wanted to go throughout the streets, meet people, preach the gospel of Jesus. But what? He ended up in chains, right? God had another plan. And yet the message of Jesus, Jesus still worked its way through the palace guard. The message went out. What do you do when God's plan and purpose for your life doesn't fit yours? This is when we begin to grumble. This is when we begin to complain under our breath. And you've, you've seen complaining. We've gotten good at it. It's when the waiter or the waitress walks away from the table and you didn't get what you want. And you wait till they're just far enough away and you're like, well, I don't know. We do the exact same thing with God. When we grumble, Pastor John Beeson from Tucson, Arizona says, we declare our distrust in God's sovereign rule over our lives. But if his inner work, if we're resting in it, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, we are receiving, God, what is your plan and purpose for my life? I want to fall in line with that, and with that I will find joy. He actually says it this way, another way, I love it. Grumbling is growling against God. It's not what I want. I say, I'm a grumbler with my teeth gritted. Does anybody else just, I just leave my teeth gritted and it's like, you got it coming in. This isn't what I wanted, and this why, and this is central to our text this morning, when you get to verse 14, he says this to the Christians, to the believers in Philippi. Remember, he said already in this great book that you're going to experience difficulties. As you stand strong on the truth of the word of God, there are going to be challenges, there's going to be persecution that comes your way. God's plan, his purpose for your life, working out in and through your life, it may not be what you're planning on, but this is why we get verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. 
It doesn't say don't grumble and argue. It says do everything without grumbling or arguing. What is arguing? This is dissension. This is discord. This is sowing discord in the church. I, years ago, Kevin Bowling, and I know he watches um, a lot on Sunday, Kevin Bowling owned a fishing tournament in, uh, here in the Ozarks. This is 20 years ago. And he said, hey, Ted, would you be the chaplain for it and come to some of our tournaments and lead Bible studies and all that? I said, man, that just sounds like the perfect thing to do to hang out with fishermen and, and get free knowledge. Uh, I'll never forget the first tournament I went to. So they usually do like a Friday night gathering, gather all the anglers, and then Saturday morning the, the tournament started. Well, Kevin would sit down. I remember him sitting down at the front. I'm in the back of the room. He's going over all the rules, how everything's going to go down. I was absolutely shocked at how many rules there are for a fishing tournament. A lot of rules. And nobody was taking notes. I had no idea how we were going to keep track of everything you're supposed to know for tomorrow. But at the end, the very last thing he did was just put up this sign right here. I laughed. I was the only one that laughed in the room. None of the anglers laughed. And I'm like, well, that was funny. I thought that was funny. And I, I go to Kevin afterwards. I go, why did nobody laugh at that? He goes, because they know exactly what I mean. I'm going to hear it all day tomorrow. I, that's not what I wanted. Why did I give it? You know when grumbling starts? In your relationship with God and in your relationship with others? It start, here's the very moment. If you want to be like, man, let's do an anatomy of this and figure out where grumbling begins. Here's exactly where it begins. Grumbling and arguing is what we do when we don't get our way. And if a fisherman's not going to get his way, and, and right, we have other words. For, I think we have a socially acceptable term for grumbling called venting. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad. I'm not grumbling. I'm just venting. I just need a sounding board. Can I have a sounding board for just a minute? Just let's be honest. You're grumbling. You are complaining under your breath. No, it was pretty strong, Ted. It was loud. It was out loud. (laughs) Grumbling and arguing. When you don't get your way. Can I take you back into the text last week? Let's go back to chapter 2, verse 4 that Scott shared with us. Remember? Practicing humility. Then we got the picture of it in Jesus the perfect model of it, the one who emptied himself for us. What does it say? Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Grumbling begins one of two ways, okay? It begins when you are no longer looking out for the... Go back there, Katie. Go, you're no longer looking out for the interest of others, or you start looking out for the interest of others, and they stop looking out for yours, You're not getting your way. Grumbling and arguing is what we do when others are not looking out for us. And if you're a leader in here, can I see the hands of all the teachers? Let me see teachers, school administrators. Okay, raising their hands. You own a business or you have employees that you lead. Let me just see your hand. You're a manager at work. Some of you are like, I like to be, you know, anonymous here when I'm at church, Ted. I don't want to be called out. Pastor Beeson has two great word pictures I want us to see today. The first one is this. He says, leaders are catch basins for grumbling. In the home, you know grumbling's coming when you hear this. Mom, we're going to be complaining about something. Teachers at school, you know when the kid comes up and starts grumbling, he didn't, she didn't get his or her way. We're catch basins for this. I have a whole list of things of, of, of the grumbling I receive as a pastor. Oh, 
let's do it for just a little bit. Uh, just, it'll be just, it'll be real short. Uh, give me 30, 40 minutes. That's all I need to get through this next part. But going back 25 years in ministry, the first grumbling I really heard was about the music. You know, I heard grumbling about, why aren't we using the hymnals anymore? Well, we are. They're propping up the projector over there on the table to show the deal. Uh, see, I am making a, I'm illustrating a point right now that I, it's, it's a sin in me right now that I'm dealing with because you know what a leader's skill needs to be? We need to be a catch basin for grumbling without returning it, which is what we do. Grumbling begets grumbling. We have got to be good at being the catch basin without returning it. When your coworkers are at each other's throats at work, Right. Don't you be the one when they bring it to you to be like, well, you just, no, leaders have to present themselves. in different. So here's what we're going to, I'm going to, I was going to give more examples, but leave it at music and move on. We have a lot of other things to work. I want to take it into the home because children, let's talk about parents as these catch basins. Cause I think parents really understand being a catch basin for sibling rivalry. Children learn to look out for the interest of their siblings. That's where it starts. This respect and, and uh, respect for authority and one another. It begins at home for their siblings by watching their parents look out for each other's interest. Our marriages become models of this. And, and boy, have we seen plenty of grumbling marriages. I've done nothing but meet your needs, 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 meet your needs. When are you going to meet mine? I poured into you, I poured into you, I poured into you, I poured into you. When are you going to start pouring into mine? Mom and dad, we have an opportunity to put this on display each and every day, serving and caring for one another. And so that our kids will pick it up and you'll see. So I'm going to give some, this is going to be as practical as the morning gets. Let's give some practical examples. If you are still at home and you have a sibling at home, would you raise your hand? Let me just see, because this is for you. Let me see. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Mom and dad, you might want to take pictures of the next three screens. These are practical ways to look out for the interest of your siblings more than your own. When your phone battery is at 5%, let your sibling at 10% use the charger first. And some of you are going, that makes no mathematical sense right there. I mean, you heard in the car, I need the charger. What's the next question? What are you at? Maybe like 8%, you're fine. I'm at 2%. Have you ever noticed, I love how Jerry Seinfeld says, your physical energy correlates with your phone's battery. Have you noticed that? When your phone's at 8%, you're just like, I just don't have the energy really to go throughout the day. When you're at 100%, you're like, I can take on the day, right? How about this? Give your spouse, give your child, don't look at the battery, just give the charger. How about this? On vacation, Plan an activity or excursion for each member of the family and get excited about your sibling's activity or excursion. And you're like, so when we walk into the theme park, I let my, my brother pick the first three rides or the whole day's rides. How, let's see what happens. You're like, nobody will believe me, Ted. <laughs> nobody will believe me. It's been about me for so long <laughs> It's about what I want on vacation. It's about what I want. How about this? When choosing a drive-through for dinner, ask your siblings for what they want. Start there. Last week after church, we drove to Oklahoma City. We had an event um, in Edmond, Oklahoma, and so I took my daughter, uh, her fiance Caden Hazel, my son Carson, and Cooper. And I don't know if you've been from Branson to Oklahoma City. 
You got to plan your stops just right or you will starve. You won't make the final journey because there's, you got Joplin and you got Tulsa and I get hungry between Joplin and Tulsa, but I knew Joplin's where we're starting. As soon as I said, Hey guys, we're going to be in Joplin. The grumbling started me included because we got to pick out a place to eat. Have you been on vacation and been up against this struggle? Where do you guys want to eat? Somebody threw something out. And I remember my daughter, she doesn't mind me telling you this. I think I should probably ask her before I give her the whole thing. Uh, somebody said, I, guys were like, we're good with McDonald's. Corinne's like, ah, that's grumbling right there. Let's just be honest. I don't want McDonald's. And, we're, and so all of us are about where we're going to eat. Caden Hazel had the absolute best response. He's, he's a real soft-spoken, doesn't have many words. He's in the middle seat back there, and he just says this. He goes, did anyone in this car listen to Scott's message this morning? (laughs) And it got silent. And then he said, well, it looks like I'm going to be the one to be Jesus in this car. And he goes, Ted, you take us wherever you want to take us. Because here's where grumbling begins in our relationship. We see where it begins in our relationship with God. Grumbling begins after you've given, after you've let your sibling use the charger, pick the restaurant, pick the rides. I'm telling you, watch this question right here. You know it sneaks in. And it's unspoken. It's always unspoken. But it's simply this. What about me? When do I get the charger? I just gave it to you. How far do you need to go? I'm at 30%. That's plenty. We picked you and your rides and your restaurant. When does someone in this car and in this family prioritize me and my interests? See, I can really take this on because I feel it. (laughs) I do. I just, we're all there. We all are prone to grumbling. But what we're going to see today is this grumbling. if if, If we're not allowing this inner work, of God in us, working out our salvation, and we're void of joy. We're not rejoicing in what God's doing in our lives. We become grumbling, and there is no light going out to a lost and dying world. We're just like them. And so when you get to that moment where you're like, what about me? I'm going to encourage you. Stop asking the other person to take care of your needs. If we can go back to last week's message and passage, Jesus emptied himself, and what do we read in verse 9 of chapter 2? God exalted him. Jesus emptied himself and didn't look to you and to I and to say, hey, here's what I need from you. Here's what I want from you. No, no. Therefore, after Jesus emptied himself for you and for me, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the heaven and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I encourage you as you serve and as you pour into, and as we read in verse four, you look out for the interest of other people. Let God be the one who shows you favor. Rest in that. What does James four, six read? God opposes the proud opposes. There's a military term and it means to stand against God stands against the proud. When it's about getting your way and what you want, I just, I just can see it. God going, okay but gives favor to the humble. Let let God be the one 
that rewards your humility. And stop calling out your great acts of humility, if I can say this, online. Do something crazy this week to serve someone, give someone, without venting online. Have you seen any grumbling this week online? Christian people doing great things for the Lord, letting everybody know about it. And it's not quite met with the same response that they want. See, now this is our light. This joy, this work that's in us. Paul says, this is to come out. This is to be the testimony to the world. We read, Jesus says in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You are followers of mine. If you love one another, care for one another, do everything without grumbling and disputing. Look out to the needs and for the needs of each other. Our love and care for each other is our testimony to a lost and dying world. We read this in going back into Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Crooked generation. We've been talking a lot about standing with truth. And this passage is going to take us there again, standing on truth, not drifting from the truth. But can I encourage us when we we need to be joy givers to the world, it needs to come out of us. This working out of our salvation, building joy and rejoicing inside of us needs to come out. If I can encourage us, don't drift with the grumbling of the culture either. I know the last election didn't go away. A lot of you wanted it to go. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And maybe begin to ask, what is God's plan and purpose? What is his plan and purpose for me? What is his plan and purpose for us? Rather than grumbling and complaining, I just want to tell you, we need to be standing out in a warped and crooked generation, not joining it. Not going with the drift. Why? Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly, going back to our armor series, to the sword of the spirit, the word of God, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. One more word picture that Pastor Beeson gives that I absolutely love. So he says, leaders are catch basins for this grumbling. Grumblers are what he calls toxin emitters. You've been around one. You typically meet one, a stranger on the street, and as soon as you meet him, you're like, okay, we are getting away from that as quickly. Nobody wants to be around a toxic toxin emitter. No one wants to, to deal with that. Here's what he says, go, going on with that thought. Pastor Beeson says, to grumble is to leak darkness when we were made to shine. Christians are being transformed. So that's what we're looking at in verse 12. We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Right? We're, be, we're being transformed. Our, the work of God in us, the inner work of God in us, working out, not for our salvation. You are bleach, not ink, he says. Are we giving joy this week? Is, this, is it being expressed, what's going on inwardly? 
Philippians 2, 17 through 18. He concludes this part of our text this morning. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's be rejoicing with one another instead of grumbling and disputing with one another. I love messages like this because I think every church needs a message like this every couple of months. I meet guests to our church almost every week who come up to me and tell me about something going on at their church. We're dealing with this. I was just at an event this week in Missouri and somebody told me, you know, we lost our pastor during the pandemic. We're looking for a new one and we can't figure out what kind of pastor we want. And I'm like, is this a job offer? Uh, Because I'm not super excited uh, about the presentation here. Uh, But I hear just because of the grumbling. And the disputing, like we have to be in check with this. You'll be known as my disciples by the way you love one another. Can I, I I had an illustration plan to end the message, but yesterday it changed because I was convicted by it. And I thought, okay, this is perfect. This is exactly what it needs to be. I was talking to friends about the worker shortage worldwide. We don't know where the workers are. We think they're in the Pacific somewhere, or maybe I'm getting this confused. I don't know what, what's happening. Um, Started last week talking to my brother-in-law. He runs a grocery store in Minnesota. And for that grocery store to run well, they need 75 employees. Uh, And right now they have 45. (laughs) There's the workforce. Yeah. It's our place too. Well, what happens when, when you need a staff of 75 and you have this faithful group of 45 showing up? You know what happens. We've all been there at each other. Why am I closing again? Why did I have to take the extra shift, shift, the grumbling that I'm going to make sure I pronounce my words correctly before the 10 o'clock and online. (laughs) Stop clapping, Rhonda. That's the worst thing to clap at right there. (laughs) That's where you got to go to your boss today. I ain't putting up with this shift anymore. I'm telling you that right now. You're not giving me that shift. You will edit that out of the deal before we go. I can't believe I've never done that in 25 years of ministry where I gave a fake cuss word. Anyway, for those of you who are our guests, we're a non-denominational church. If you haven't figured that out by now, we're not. We claim no denomination. And you're like, yeah, I know you're probably not even ordained. Well, I am. I'm ordained Southern Baptist and they haven't taken it back yet. So uh, where was I? You people are terrible. You brought this. I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. You brought it out of me. What I love about those moments, there's some people here on the line with whether or not they were going to join this church. And right now they go, this is my church right here. This is, I am becoming a member of Woodland Hills Family Church this morning. Can we get serious for a second? Because this is very important. So anyway, worker shortage. So what an opportunity. I, I didn't even think about this until yesterday when somebody brought it up to me. What an opportunity for you and I to not be toxin emitters, but to be joy givers in this town right now. I don't know if you know it. There were a lot of people here this week. A lot of people. I witnessed an accident, saw it take place, came upon five or six, you know, and we love our guests. We just want you to watch a YouTube video on roundabouts before you show up. (laughs) But, But there were a lot of people here. Lines were long. So we have businesses trying to function in this town with half the employees and twice the amount of people. Now, 
I stand in line. I stand in line at a place in town to eat. And Amy and I were at one this week. I'm like, oh. Now, I have this thing. I am what you would call a a logistics expert. Okay? Every business I go into, I can help them run it better. If you're a logistics expert, would you raise your hand? Let me see. Look around the room. It's everybody. I sit there and go, I wouldn't do that. Oh, you know what really fires me up is when you finally get to the front of the line and you've been waiting in line 20, 30 minutes and they take a over-the-phone order. No, uh uh-uh, on hold until there's no line left. I mean, you want to give, but listen, they've had enough. Those are the workers. If if you've had enough, raise your hand. Let me just see it. You're showing up to work time. You're tired. We have an opportunity to be a major blessing to those people that just raise their hands. We do. I, I love going to Sugarleaf and, you know, Todd that works it. He's the owner. And, you know, they're short on help. And he's back there every day at, at noon making sandwiches. And, and I like to think my jokes help uh, during busy times when everybody's pretty worn out and frustrated. And then they're not always received. Uh, they haven't been received lately. Todd and I are good friends, but I, I cracked a joke at Todd this week and he just looked at me. There was no smile, no smirk. And then he goes, he goes, you want to put on an apron and get back here? I'm more than willing to put you on the clock right now. I'm like, Hey, okay, lighten up and make my sandwich, Todd. Uh, can we all admit grumbling is easy? Complaining is easy. Arguing with one another. It's easy. Disputing, looking out for the interest of others and trusting God to show me favor for that, that's a skill we all need to learn. Complaining under our breath, that's easy. But I want to do everything without complaining under my breath or disputing. Some of you don't like the fact that we said uh, we're doing online for the 26th, last Sunday of the year. Enjoy that service without grumbling or disputing. I mean, think about this. We have an opportunity. What a great opportunity to show the love of Christ in this town right now during a difficult season when things are going so well. Isn't that crazy to put it that way? The challenges that our our, uh, businesses are facing, we get the opportunity to be one in 20, maybe one in 30. I don't know, maybe one. I don't know. But we get to be the one that walks up and at the end just say, hey, you're doing a great job. Thank you. You're like, what if they don't get my order right? You're doing a great job. Thank you. I didn't want a burrito. I ordered a burger, but I'll take it. (laughs) And I'm going to do it and eat it without grumbling or disputing. Can I get an amen on that one? Let's pray. Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we want to do everything as a church without grumbling or disputing. May this be a message that sticks with us and goes with us for weeks, months, years, and then prompt us with it again when we need it because every church needs it and it's why paul shared it with the church at philippi we need to be reminded of your work in our lives lives and your good purpose in our lives may every follower of jesus in here work out our salvation this week with fear and trembling may we find opportunities throughout this town in shows attractions restaurants businesses stores uh, to be joy emitters not toxin emitters. And for the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day that they call upon the name of the Lord and they're saved. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said,